It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you got to show up. you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick. Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT, can uh, hide all my uh, Raider fans out there and go Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT on a business. Busy, busy day today. Great to have you as we count down to the NFL Draft a week from Thursday. And we got you covered here. We are excited on the flagship of the radio, uh, Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. And we're brought to you by PT's Taverns. They have a great uh, coming opening coming up here on Friday, April 22nd. Join us at 7 p.m., the grand opening party at the newest neighborhood, PT's Tavern. It's a PT's Gold out on West Ann Road. I got friends who live out on Ann Road. 7770 West Ann Road. $5 drink specials, $2 pints, $2,500 worth of giveaways and prizes at the party. Grand opening. Another PT's. How do they do it? They do it because they know how to throw the best happy hour in town. 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Come on out at the new PT's out on West Ann Road. How's everybody doing today? We got a lot to get to. Uh, By the time this monologue is over, let your friends know I'm coming after Robin Leonard, uh, the Vegas goalie, period. So you got about five minutes to text your friends because we don't get enough hockey talk on this channel. I went from the hockey station to this channel to do Raiders. I get I do sports talk. I live in Vegas. I'm invested with VGK. I'm coming after this goalie the way he should come after him in about five minutes. So you might want to text your hockey buddies and your, your, you got your little kids who play in the hockey leagues around town. I'm giving you, let me set my stopwatch here. I'm giving you about three, four minutes to text everybody you know inside the building and outside the building that a VGK is going to get in this monologue and I'm worked up about it. I'm worked up about it and this is what I do best. So again, you're on the clock, less than four minutes. Someone might want to get in touch with Marc-Andre Fleury, friend of the show, and someone else because I love this team and I'm coming after this team here for what I've seen over the last couple of days. So just letting you know, we're under three minutes now before I go after VGK and I'm going to go big. And if you want to call in on this, again, I did not abandon sports to come to Raiders Radio. I'm talking everything. I'm a sports talk host. You don't see the other national guys going to do this and that. I talk Raiders when there's Raiders. I talk Vegas all the time. And that's why I'm fired up for the draft because that's me. I am the draft. I I wish I was the mayor of the draft. I'd be leading everybody down the strip. I'm so excited about the draft and what we have lined up. But I'm also uh, passionate about the teams here in Vegas from living here since 96. And uh, I got a lot to say on VGK. So warning. It's a two-minute warning before I come and get going there. Uh, what do we have lined up? we got some remotes lined up. Uh, the Strip is going to either be a mass scene of humanity or it's not going to be. It's either going to be a mass scene of humanity or underachieving. I don't think this is not a Raider event and the Raiders are going to own it. It's an NFL event. The NFL only does stuff big. Super Bowl. All the Super Bowls too. You know, you go to Canton, Ohio. We're going to go with Cliff Branch. For his induction, it's beautiful. What an event that's going to be in Canton, Ohio. For Cliff Branch in the Hall of Fame, Richard Seymour, Raider Nation. The Raiders are actually playing. They're going to play Jacksonville's have the number one pick. And the Raiders got a new coaching staff going out to Canton, Ohio to start the preseason early. 
So that's going to be an NFL event that they do tremendously well. With the draft, we're on the clock, and we're on the clock big time. And we want all these events at Allegiant Stadium, T-Mobile, and everything that's happening here. And we have to deliver every time. Because if you want to be the best entertainment city in the world, in the world, Rome, Paris, London, New York, Los Angeles, Vegas has the opportunity to pull that off. But we got to nail this draft. So I was out there by the strip. I saw the setup there, which is great over at the link. I don't know if that would have been my first choice. It wouldn't have been. I've said that from day one, but I'm not a complainer. I'm not like some people in town here who complain and want everything to fail from the hockey team to everybody else. They want it to fail so they think they can get a good hour of radio at it. I want this thing to succeed. If I wanted it to succeed, I probably would have had it going from the Bellagio to Caesars instead of the link, but they had room outside the link on the back end. And I don't know what that cluster is going to be like coming down that alleyway as you walk by and you head to the link where the Brooklyn Bowl is and all of that. But I like crowds. I like big crowds. I like packed stadiums and arenas. And we're going to be able to get that here in Vegas. And we're a week out. And we have tremendous infrastructure in this city. And the police officers and security and everybody behind the scenes from all these great events that we've had over the years. We should be able to pull it off. But we have to pull it off. Because if we don't, Nashville's going to rub it in our face and say they're better and they want the draft more than Vegas. I really believe that this, you know, there's a couple of things in Vegas that we can have forever. We can have the NFL draft forever. Why not? Let's take it from everybody. Let's take it from Kansas City. Let's take it from Philadelphia. No one wants to go to Philadelphia this time of year with this weather to go to the draft. Let's get it in Vegas every year. You know, the Super Bowl is going to be on a rotation. Let's gorilla that and get it more so than L.A. Get it to more places with the legalized gambling and everything we have here. We got better restaurants. We got a a better foot traffic. It's easier to do. And this is going to be an incredible event here. So I'm very bullish on it. I'm not negative. You won't hear any negativity on this show about, oh, my God, it's too big. Why do we have it here? There are so many bleeping complainers in this town. There are so many people in this town who complain in the media about this, that, this hockey team, if they go away, if this hockey team goes away, I know people that aren't going to make money. They're not going to make any money for two or three weeks. They're not going to be able to run a hockey remote. They're not going to be able to do a a hockey event and all that. They're going to make no money. Not a little bit of money. They're going to make no. But you still have people that are just contrarians and want to mock the team and mock everybody here. Look, you don't have to love everything about these, these hometown teams. And we got a big streaming audience in the Bay Area, Los Angeles. You know, just tie this into UCLA, USC, or Cal and Stanford, or wherever you're listening. You know, the guys who are in the media here, I've been lucky in my career doing a national show. I pretty much have been in Vegas or Los Angeles, and I'm not an L.A. sports fan. In Vegas, I'm over the top for Vegas. But I root for the teams, and I want to see the teams do well on our flagship properties. You know, as I'm sitting here on Raider Nation Radio, I want the Raiders to do well because it's a part of what my friends and the people and my bosses do for a living. So I want them to do well. And I guess not everybody does. Not everybody wants to see the hockey team do well. People really want to dive into the gutter and hope that these teams do poorly because they literally think that it's going to be good for like a week of radio. It's going to suck if the Golden Knights don't make the playoffs because I want to go to Golden Knight games with my wife and kids when they're home from college. I want to go to the beer house and get my drink on. I want to go you know, up top 
to that beautiful Hyde Club with my buddy Tommy Ippolito and walk around there and have a good time. I want to put on my JT the Brick 9 jersey and flow in there. And it looks like it's not going to happen. So let me begin with the Vegas Golden Knights before I get to anybody else. This is one of the greatest underachieving stories in the history of Vegas. And believe me, in this town, there's been some bleeping underachievers over the years. Vegas and Mr. Foley built this franchise to win multiple Stanley Cups. They got out of the gate in year one, and they went to the Stanley Cup final against Washington, had a one-game-to-nothing lead. It was too big of a stage. They came up short. And what did Mr. Foley do after that? All he did was try to upgrade this team. He's the owner of the team. All he's trying to do is upgrade it. We're going to get this guy, this guy, this guy. And they brought in what I thought was a perennial all-star team. They got Marc-Andre Florian net. And then they went out and they just had one line, two lines, three lines of goal scorers that can score goals and come through. You had guys on every line that could get you 20 goals. And they went back to the playoffs. They went deep to the playoffs. They went deep the following year. Then they went deep. They go deep into the playoffs, and now they're on the verge of elimination. Why is that? Well, the common occurrence is they have injuries, and they do. They didn't handle the cap well. I'm pro Jack Eichel. I thought they had an opportunity to go get Jack Eichel from Buffalo coming off a major injury. They pulled the trigger. Why? Because just like the Raiders pulled the trigger on Devontae Adams, they had one chance to pull the trigger. And they went out and pulled the trigger. And with Jack Eichel here, he has not been the spark. He's played well at times, but this team is pretty much an average or below average team with them. The problem with this team is they're slow starters. They got a bunch of goal scorers who don't score. They got a bunch of overachievers, in theory, that underachieve when the puck is dropped. Then the organization decided to move on from Marc-Andre Fleury. I wouldn't have done that. But I am not a hockey servant, and I'm not a hockey owner, and I'm not a GM or a president of a hockey team. But it seemed like a really bad idea to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury because he won the bleeping Vesna Award. He won the MVP of goalies. So how do you, how do you get out of Marc-Andre Fleury? How do you do that when he's at the top of his game? How do you do that? I have no idea. They decided to do that for Robin Leonard. And they, they, did, they did it now, and they were going to go in with a, a younger goalie, a goalie, and they thought it was a good move. And it has backfired on him. Now, again, I'm not sit, sitting here talking about his issues and social media and what's going on with his mind. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a doctor. But they took a really, really stable Hall of Fame goaltender that they just had to keep around Keep around for a little bit. They would have made up all their money on T-shirt sales and patches that you put on a jersey, and it would have penciled out beautifully. But the powers that be decided to go in the Robin Leonard direction. And Robin Leonard has been pretty much below average. I won't call him a bust, but he is the problem on this team because he is not elite. They don't have any confidence when he's in net. And for every one game he plays well, two to three he doesn't or plays average. Can't win a Stanley Cup that way. Could win a Stanley Cup with Marc-Andre Fleury, or you could get back again. So they decided to go down that road, and it has haunted this team because of locker room chemistry, fan reaction, and the ability for this city, which, again, a lot of the hockey fans have been front runners here. (laughs) They're front runners. They love going there, seeing a little Cirque du Soleil show on the ice, see the ice crack and the Kraken come out, and look at all that and a bunch of sword fights. 
But now it's gut check time because the team might miss the playoffs. So this is an underachieving product, and I back the owner, Mr. Foley, who's done everything he can to try to get this team better and better every year. And the coach, everybody is accountable here. The players, the captains. I thought the captain, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, Marceau, who's playing well, Martinez, Theodore, a lot of the players, Petrangelo. Man, I wish we could get out of that Petrangelo deal. I'd get out of that Petrangelo deal yesterday if you could. Great leader, uh, great player when he played and won a cup before he got here, and he has not elevated this team. So I'm watching last night, and the New Jersey Devils are in town, a team with 42 losses. This has got to be a win with the season on the line. And they go down one nothing, but then Vegas gets a dirty goal on a deflection that gets him back in the game. Colasari on the right wing. Precision cutting. Hard pass. Tipped into the goal. Precision ties it. A desperation sailing pass from Colasar. He was getting run off by White at the right wall. Precision down the middle. He had a man on his back. He tips it home and ties the game. Uh, Dan Duver on all these calls. So they tied the game up there, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Get one goal. Now the crowd's into it. They're going to get back in the game. I'm on the radio doing my night show. My wife's got the game on the other TV, and we're like, here we go. This is going to happen. They're going to turn it around. But New Jersey comes back on this goal to go up 2-1 on the Johnson goal, and it was pretty much over. Point shot gloved by Leonard. Rebound came out in front. It's a loose puck. Score! Andreas Johnson gives New Jersey the lead. All right, now let's get to the third goal here where Robin Leonard did not see the goal. He literally thought the puck was cleared to the corner or something happened, and the puck went behind him. I was in shock on this goal where New Jersey put the game away. Boquist back in. It's a one-on-two. Cuts around Petrangelo. He scores! Wow! Boquist got by Petrangelo and sneaks it through Robin Leonard. Robin never went down to the ice. The puck stayed right along the ice. And into the goal it goes for Boquist. 3-1 to one, New Jersey. Yeah, you hear what he said? Uh, Leonard never went down. He never saw the puck. How in bleep in hell is that possible to be a professional goalie? The reason why Marc-Andre Fleury's not in this town, and with the biggest game of the year, you don't even see the puck in a one-goal game. Stevenson came back as they pulled the goalie, which was a pretty smart move, and VGK cut it to one. All right, so we'll move on to the final call here as Vegas had a chance late, but they weren't able to put it off, and here's how Vegas loses. Right corner, Pacioretty. They got to hurry. Centering pass. Stone fan on a shot. Two seconds and one. Shot at the horn is blocked, and the Devils have won the game 3-2. to two. So there it is on the Knights Radio Network. So why am I putting that in the monologue of my show? Because it's the biggest story in town. Period. There's nothing, nothing close to this that should be on the radio other than this. We're, we're the hometown hockey team and a hockey team that's supposed to go to the Stanley Cup or deep into the playoffs, and now they're pretty much almost on the verge of elimination and they need a miracle. They need a miracle. So if you're a VGK fan, you should thank me for doing this. You should thank me for doing this at this level in this town. Okay, because I'm giving you a chance to talk about this team. And this team, if they don't make the playoffs, are going to disappear. They are going to disappear until next year. 
So wherever you are now, you should thank me and say, wow, JT on the Raider flagship is talking about the Golden Knights? Yeah, you better believe I am because it sucks that they're playing at this level. Marc-Andre Fleury was run out of town for this goaltender in Robin Leonard who can't get the job done, and they're going to have to move him. That's right, they're going to have to move Robin Leonard and this price, and they're going to have to figure out the cap again because this guy isn't ready for this stage in Vegas. He can't get it done. And the powers that be at the Golden Knights should have seen this because they had the great Marc-Andre Fleury in front of them. Amazing in the community, Vesna winner, the team loved them, the fans loved them, and they got cute. They got cute because they wanted to have a goalie that they thought was younger and might be better and bigger and a panda bear, and he's going to be great. They rolled the dice, and they lost on Robin Leonard. It's over. So you can do whatever the hell you want with Robin Leonard. You can bring him back next year, and I'll be at the games when I'm not working at night. But what a disappointment. Cover of the Las Vegas Review Journal today, vanishing act. Playoff hopes hanging by a thread after the latest loss. This is how you do radio in a professional sports town, and this hasn't been a professional sports town. It was just UNLV basketball for how many decades? Now you got the Raiders and you got the Golden Knights. It's big boy radio. When the team doesn't do well, and I've been really supportive of this team, the team's been very supportive of me. We get people on the show all the time. I hope it remains that way, but I got no credibility if I go on the radio today and tell you that, oh, I'm begging, I'm hoping, it's a miracle, we need all this to happen. What a disappointing season for a team that should be on television all the way through April, May, June. Wife and I driving down a beer house, having a shot, going into the game, going into the Bud Light Lounge, going into the Jack Daniels Lounge, going out to dinner. Yeah, hey, honey, let's go out to dinner. Vegas just won. Let's bring our friends out here. It's going to be a ghost town. It's going to be a hockey ghost town just the way they predicted it. So you can look at it any way you want. I dip the show in reality. I dip the show in reality. There are people in this town that want the team to fail. Because if the team fails, they believe that their radio or their column might be better. It'll be more cutting edge. I don't believe that. I want this team to win because I know how important it is to the economy. I know how important it is to the kids in town, the youth hockey leagues and all of this. It's not the end of the world. Bill Foley will have this team back next year. And there is a chance that they can have a miracle they could have a miracle at some point in their last couple of games here and, and do something, but I doubt it. I, I don't know what to tell you other than what I just told you for 10 minutes. Underachieving team at the highest level. If we have a college basketball team that can't get into the NCAA tournament, a college football team that you feel blessed if they win two games, it's better than one, you better believe on this show that Vegas is going to be talked about with hockey for another week or so because once it's over, they're gone. It disappears. This is not Vancouver. This is not Toronto. This is not Winnipeg. It's not going to work. And again, we could talk about a little bit of hockey and have some fun with it, and I'll continue to get fired up for next year. I didn't want next year. I wanted Marc-Andre Fleury and a statue out front. I said I would put the first $5,000 of my own money of my own money to a Marc-Andre Fleury statue and help raise the rest. Keep him here. Let his kids go to school here. And he bounces around to Chicago and Minnesota. And this team, as it says in the paper, vanishing act. So Robin Leonard, after that game yesterday, this town is pretty much done with him. Could be a nice guy, great guy, whatever it is. He cannot get the job done. Okay, so a goalie 
on a hockey team that has the payroll and the stars to win the Stanley Cup, you cannot have a goaltender who makes as many mistakes as Robin Leonard. And Marc-Andre Fleury made a big mistake in the postseason, and they pretty much dumped him. Dumped him, and Marc-Andre Fleury, who doesn't care about this, is getting the last laugh. He's getting the last laugh at this time because this team hedged. Just like the stock market, real estate market, business, they hedged. And they went and they said, man, let's try something here. Marc-Andre Fleury, kind of at the end of his career, getting old, a mistake or two. Let's get him out of here and go with Robin Leonard. Oh, my God. Can someone get me in the hot tub time machine and go back in time and not do the Leonard deal at all and keep Marc-Andre Fleury for another year or two and develop a backup goalie? So... That's it. I've been, I've been waiting to do this monologue since last night when I was bouncing off the walls at home with my wife, watching Millard and Gary Lawless do an amazing postgame show as those guys were looking on, literally like they were in shock. And, you know, 21 minutes into the show, I don't have a caller on hold from the Vegas Golden Knights. And I expected that. I expect that. My radio show is a little bit more intense. It gets a little bit more crazy. It gets a little bit more emotional. And again, this is not Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg, Detroit. So I expect limited response to what I'm doing here, but I got to do my job. 702-365-9200 if you want to for the last maybe week or a couple shows, because next week we're doing none of this with the NFL draft. I wanted to put this in front of the show here as we open it up. Check the Apple Heart Watch. There we go. We are in the range right now, 702-365-9200. Peter DeBoer now starting to call out some people. How about the goal scorers? How come they can't score in big spots? Um, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, you have to give some credit to both goalies. I think both guys were first stars. But we also have to look in the mirror. And, you know, I think uh, this has been a historical problem here, you know, going dry at the wrong times um you know and obviously the two most important games i mean t- tonight the goal we got was from our fourth line so you know really uh uh dried up at a at a bad time yeah drying up a guy's not getting their job done a guy's not being able to score it's incredible that you know you got a bunch of goal scorers that are supposed to be superstars in this town they can't score a goal they shoot the puck right into the middle of the belly of the goaltender. Incredible. Here's DeBoer talking about Robin Leonard, who was very weak in the third period of this game. You know, I think this time of year you're looking for your guy to be better than the guy at the other end. And uh, that wasn't the case tonight. Ooh. Ooh. DeBoer talking at a press conference like he knows he's on the chopping block. That's a hell of a soundbite. And now with five games left to go, and they need to win all of them, which they're probably not going to do, and they need a little help. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's been a, um, it's been an interesting year, you know. Between, you know, uh, Boisson's been, you know, hurt. Lenny's been hurt at different points, and then had, you know, obviously some uh, family issue last week that took him out. So, you know, LT. You know, has has been consistent in what he's brought uh, uh, for me uh, in a really tough spot. I think he he's the one guy there that uh, um, you know uh, has been there and and 
and given us what he could. I think I think the other guys, some through circumstances beyond their control, I get it. Um, but you know, it's been uh, it's been tough getting some consistency there. Yep. So that's it. That's a head coach. A lot of people aren't going to be back if they don't make the playoffs. It, it, it's not fair. Business isn't fair. The reason why they won't be back is they didn't make the playoffs and there's no job security in hockey. There's none. I mean, coaches rent houses. They don't buy them unless you're Scotty Bowman or Al Arbor in the 80s on Long Island. You just don't because it's very easy to get rid of a hockey coach and then blame it on him. And I think DeBoer is pretty good at what he does here. He can only get so much out of him. He can't, get, he can't put on skates and go score a goal. He can't bail these guys out. And that's where we're at here. And again, when you look at Marc-Andre Fleury and what he was able to do, what he was able to do in Vegas, man, they overthought this one. They overthought it. Happens in sports. You know, Bill Walsh always wanted to get rid of players, and Belichick does it now too, You'd rather get rid of a player a year early than a year late. You've always heard that term. Not the case with VGK. It would have been nicer to hold on to Flurry for an extra year and give this legend an opportunity to see if he could stand on his head for one more, not even Stanley Cup run, one more playoff run. But that isn't the case there. All right, other topics. The big topic today, on Sunday, Kyrie Irving flipped off the fans in Boston and I went on the radio that night, and I said it's going to be a maximum $50,000 fine, and they came in with that today. Exactly that amount, $50,000 for Kyrie Irving. You just can't flip off fans. You can't do it on primetime television. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense, and it's going to make more sense going forward, and he might do it again on Wednesday because I think the crowd in Boston is going to be a little bit crazier and potentially crazier, we'll find out. Chris Mannix, the great boxing insider and NBA insider for SI.com is going to join us a little bit later on in the hour. Speaking of, I want to get back to football a second. I got something on Baker Mayfield. Warren Moon, the Hall of Famer, is going to join us at the top of the hour. Wanted to talk to Warren about Derek Carr's contract extension and some of the quarterbacks that are coming into this draft. Uh, the big question that I'm prepared to say to Warren is, Warren, as an African-American star quarterback from the University of Washington, was not in the draft process because where the league was at that point with race. Warren had to go to the Canadian Football League. Can you imagine if Warren Moon came out now? They're they're talking about these quarterbacks going in the first round, and they're like, they have second-round grades. Warren Moon, in theory, should have went number one overall in his draft, and they didn't let him play in the league. For a number of years, he had to go win Grey Cups before he had an opportunity with Lee Steinberg to come back and be a free agent. It's remarkable to me when we look at race issues. You know, we're dealing now with this Rooney rule and what's happening in the NFL with race and how to hire more minority candidates. Big topic. Brian Flores, a black coach, fired in Miami, and he's claiming his owner, Stephen Ross, told him to lose on purpose. In our lifetime, recently, Warren Moon wasn't invited to be a drafted player in the NFL, a quarterback, and he was a legend, a legend in the Rose Bowl, a legend in Canada, and they didn't want to take him like some of these guys who are coming out now that have nowhere near the talent of Warren Moon. That should be a good conversation at the top of the hour. I have news also on Colin Kaepernick. He went public on wanting to be a backup quarterback. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Bobby's telling me I'm going way too late. That's what I'm doing. We'll see if you want to talk. If not, I got the show lined up. I'm I'm fired up today. I've been waiting.
10 hours to talk about the Golden Knights. I got that out of the way. 702-365-9200. Warren Moon, Chris Mannix on the NBA playoffs. Big show, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. I never slow down, especially going into the draft in Vegas. If it doesn't go in, you know, try to make a play. Uh, you know, but when he took that dribble, uh, we just kind of made eye contact. Uh, and he made a great, great pass. And, uh, you know, I just had to make a layup. I'll tell you, that's a pretty good Boston team. When you look at the Boston Celtics and Tatum, what they have, their ability to play defense and attack the rim, I mean, just fantastic the way they're playing. The ratings came out. I'll get to that next hour. The ratings came out for the NBA playoffs, and they're really high. Highest they've been in 11 years, and that's without the Lakers. That's without the Lakers, everybody. So people are tuning in, and the reason they're tuning in is it's still COVID. Fans are now going into buildings. Fans are hungry. They have an appetite, and fans are really smart. You out there listening, you're very smart, and I know that. And a lot of these know more than I do. I just happen to be sitting behind a microphone. That's why we always want to hear from you. But when it comes to the NBA, the NBA in the regular season is terrible because the players don't value the regular season. Then when the playoffs start, oh, my God, everybody's playing great. Brunson of of Dallas, we'll talk about him later, has a career high. Guys show up. The Warriors look amazing. Carl Anthony Towns in game one. Everybody plays hard in the postseason because their owner, GM, and all the fans are watching. Charles Barkley's watching. Shaq back at TNT. And you get judged on how you play in the postseason, just like the NFL. So you always see a high-quality product in the NBA when the playoffs come around. We're waiting on Chris Mannix. The other big thing is Baker Mayfield did not show up for the offseason workouts. That's pretty obvious. They want him out of town. Deshaun Watson showed up, and Baker's going to stay away as more and more people are wondering where he's going to end up. They just gave Geno Smith a minimum contract, minimum up in Seattle. So I still think that's an opportunity for him and the talk about Carolina and what they're going to do in the draft. Will Carolina reach for a quarterback or will they try to stabilize the franchise going after Baker Mayfield, the Sam Darnold experiment, the quarterback. Oh, also Marcus Mariota, former Raider quarterback. What a great guy he is. He basically said if Atlanta – wants to go in a quarterback direction, he'll do whatever he can to help bring that quarterback along. It's nice. Marcus Mariota's made a lot of money for not playing much lately. Raiders paid him a lot of money, made a lot of money in Tennessee, got a contract, and you know he's willing to just stay in the league and have an opportunity. I think Atlanta should let Marcus play. Let him play. He's completely healthy. We saw what he can do in Vegas just a little bit, but he's got to prove that he can throw again in this league. All right, Chris Mannix from SI, kind enough to join us, NBC Sports in Boston, a great boxing insider in the NBA where he had a Defensive Player of the Year vote. And, Chris, thanks for joining us. I want to jump in with Marcus Smart winning the Defensive Player of the Year. How did you see it with your vote and the guys who were chasing him? Yeah, I voted for Marcus Smart at number one. Um, I've had a pretty close look at Smart throughout this Mm -hmm. season. Um, He's arguably the best on-ball defender in the NBA, and he really is kind of the connective tissue to that top-ranked Celtics defense. And, look, you can come up with 
reasons to vote for Rudy Gobert every single year. His on-off numbers are great. I thought Mikael Bridges with Phoenix had a phenomenal year as well. I just thought this year smart. You know, his ability to defend basically five positions and, you know, especially in the second half of the season when you really spearheaded a defense that went was light years better than everybody else in the final three months of the year, that gave him just enough of an edge to me over Gobert. Chris, you've been a Boston Garden, TD Garden many times, the old Boston Garden as a kid. When you look at the Boston fans and Kyrie Irving, this is unique. Reggie Miller didn't play for the Knicks. So when he beat up Spike Lee in the Knicks and made the choke sign, you know, that was pivotal playoff basketball in the Mecca at the highest level of intensity. Kyrie played for the Celtics, and it didn't go well, and it seems like the fans are really engaging him he flipped them off several times. What do you think happens on Wednesday with security and the mindset of Steve Nash and to try to keep Kyrie composed heading into game two? Well, the fans, I've seen them engage, you know, players before, guys that have defected uh, from the organization. The reason this has, been, has risen to another level is that Kyrie keeps engaging back in ways mm-hmm. that he probably shouldn't. I and mean, this goes back to last year when – you know, he stepped on the logo and kind of scuffed it after the Nets won that first-round series against Boston. He brought up the race stuff uh, in Boston. And then, you know, in game one, yeah, he's got some fans chirping behind him. He throws up the double middle fingers. He's got some fans chirping um, after he makes a shot. He throws another one at them. And, you know, there was that camera footage of him, you know, using some colorful language at a fan going back to the locker room. It's just interesting. Like, you know – Kyrie left Cleveland under bad terms, too. He's never engaged the Cavalier fans in this way. There's just something about his relationship with the Boston fans. Maybe it's just that Celtics fans are perhaps a little more passionate, certainly more rowdy than, than many other places. But, um, you know, he, he's got to – I would say this, though, JT. He's gotta, I, I'd say, I'm about to say he's got to stop engaging. The guy went for, like, what, 40 or almost 40 yeah, in game yeah, one. Yeah. So maybe he's using it to, to fuel him in that sense. But – I, I wouldn't expect there to be any kind of none of the, the the quote fan abuse rose to any kind of level where security got involved. Mm-hmm. And I just think this for Steve Nash, you guys got to tell Kyrie, just don't engage, man. You're going to hear it all game long. Don't engage with it. Chris Mannix is our guest. Where do you think Durant stands now with his success against Boston recently and what he needs to do now? He's got to dominate. Many people say he's the best player in the world now over LeBron when he's healthy. This is a big stage for him because Harden's gone. Kyrie wasn't available all year. It doesn't look like Durant is happy with this move compared to the two championships with the Warriors. I think this is a big spot for him. If he doesn't have a big game, I think they're on the verge of elimination. I don't think they can win four out of five against the Celtics. No, I don't think so either. Not with the way that Celtics defense can lock you up. Um, Yeah, he struggled in game one, no question about it. I thought the Celtics' physicality in that first game was the difference there. I mean, Grant Williams got a lot of minutes on him. He used his strength to push Durant off his spot. Jason Tatum, who has really blossomed, into, you know, maybe not an elite defensive player, but a very, very good one. I thought he was extremely effective. I mean, he blocked Kevin Durant's jump shot in the fourth quarter of that game one. I can count on one hand the number of guys I've seen block a Kevin Durant jump shot. It's it's about as unblockable as you get in this league. And then you saw that last defensive possession. You know, Kevin took a contested 30-footer. That's because Jason Tatum stuck with him uh, throughout the, the final five seconds on that shot clock. So, He's got to get creative. I think that 
Steve Nash, and he was asked about this before game one, has to resist the urge to try to go one-on-one um, in this series. Like Kyrie, as good as he is, you don't want to take your chances going one-on-one with Marcus Smart and Derek White. And similarly, I don't think as good as Kevin Durant is, you're going to win a series if you just go ISO against Tatum and Grant Williams and Al Horford out there in the perimeter. Boston's just too good on the defensive side. So you got to make sure you get them shots in rhythm. And for Kevin Durant, you can't get muscled as often as he got muscled in that first game. Chris Mannix is our guest. Chris, big picture question with your access to the commissioner when you get to talk to him or about the future of the sport. I'm really disappointed with the regular season with the lack of ability by many of the players and the injuries that are mounting. And I sensed that Adam Silver recently talked about maybe going from 82 to 72. I think that's an easy way out with all the money that the players make. These arenas need to be full. If they're not playing games in these arenas, there's nothing else in those arenas, and people have jobs on the line here. I just feel like the league, from the ownership side and the commissioner side, feel like they're almost losing the battle with the players who don't want to play as many regular season games and don't want to go all out. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I was surprised to see Adam at his pre-playoff press conference bring that up. I do think it's gotten better um, with players at least playing in nationally televised games. There are some things you can't account for. I mean, if the guy's hurt, the guy's hurt. You're not going to trot the guy out there just because the game's played on TNT. But uh, I do think it's improved at least more, more than it has in recent years. Look, I, I, I think, and I've talked to, to Silver about this in the past, and he's you know, he's been on record other times as well. Like, I think in an ideal world, the league would whittle the schedule down a little bit, but it, it always comes down to money. And, if, you know, if the NBA is going to make less money playing 72 games instead of 82, which they would, TV contracts would change, in arena revenue would change, the players are going to have to give something back as well. I mean, the league, it, it's pretty basic, JT. It's a 50-50 split amongst players and owners when it comes to basketball-related income. If that income goes down... Everybody takes a haircut. So, yeah, at this time of year, we always have this conversation, it feels mm-hmm. like, about reducing the number of games. But until one of those two sides or both those sides say we're willing to make less money, you're not going to see any kind of change. Chris Mannix, as we wrap it up. Chris, I want to spend the rest of our time on boxing, which you cover at such a high level. And I've been talking about the Crawford-Spence fight for years. And it's shameful that the fight hasn't been able to be made and then after Spence's recent victory, now they're John, and it looks like it has to happen. Take me through the history of the lack of this promotion and how it hasn't been able to be made. It looks like a lot of fight fans were getting so beaten down by not being able to see this fight, and now we're maybe a step closer to getting it. Yeah, I think we are a step closer to getting it. Um, I think, you know, look, everybody can point to the promotional differences between Spence and Crawford as being an obstacle, and it has been over the years with Crawford, with top rank, and Spence, BC. But when I talk to people involved with both sides, it, it's not it's not just that. I mean, a big part of it is these guys want to be guaranteed serious dollars to get in the ring with each other. It's not, you know, 20, 30 years ago, JT, you used to have, you know, money made through percentages. You know, if you did a pay-per-view, guys would get X percent of it, and that would be the end of the story. Now, they want money up front. They want guaranteed money, and it just wasn't there because as big a deal as Crawford and Spence is to the hardcore boxing fan, it just – I don't think it's captivated the mainstream, at least not in a way that would enable them to both make whatever it was, $10 million a piece, $8 million a piece, whatever the guarantee was going to be. Now 
it, it just seems like both these guys understand this fight's probably not going to get any bigger. Um, there's nowhere else for either one of them to go. All four titles are affiliated with those two men. Uh, I just think there's a realization that it's now or never between those two guys, and, and that will lead them to the table to make sure they get a deal. Chris, that is fascinating to me because you nailed it. The fact is these are two great fighters, and I think Crawford is arguably the greatest fighter in the world, but if the market isn't there for pay-per-view and the casinos in Vegas can't back it up and there's just not enough money for both of them, I can see that, but you and I covered pretty much every Floyd fight. Look at the money that Floyd demanded and got, and he had some pretty big-name opponents too, but I think the difference was those fights packed the MGM Grand. The whales were here. You saw the private jets at the private airport. I don't think these two demand that type of fight crowd internationally except the diehards, and that could be the difference in another, I guess, 20 or 30 million combined between both of them, right? Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Uh, I mean, I also think that Floyd, you know, he needed the right opponent to do a million-plus pay-per-view buys, but mm. on his own against the Guerreros and the Andre Berto's and the Marcos Maidanas, he was probably still good for 500000 most times out. People hate watched Floyd as much as they love watched him, so he was usually good for that type of, of production. You look at what Spence and Crawford have done. Now, Spence has started to build himself more, on pay-per-view, but Crawford is still like a hundred, mm. hundred fifty thousand. Whether it was Amir Khan or Sean Porter, just not doing the kind of numbers that you know would would make you want to step up and make that kind of guarantee. But again, I do think, and, and when I talk to people on both sides, like there's there's an understanding here. Like Spence, does he want to go up to one fifty four without facing Crawford and fight maybe his stablemate, you know, Jermel Charlo? I don't know what the appetite mm. is there. And if you're Crawford, do you really want to fight Virgil Ortiz in in a fight that? defends your title like there's just the money's not there for anything else so even though it's not probably not going to be what they hoped it was going to be in terms of guarantees i think they're both at the point where they understand it's time yeah and last one on that chris do you believe that if they're going to have to they get the fight to get more pay-per-views they'd have to dirty it up not get down in the gutter like conor mcgregor and floyd not make it that personal but it looked like they were a little bit personal there the other night there and that could spur the interest of more fans and maybe mainstream fans to buy the fight yeah i i think there's i think for sure yeah they they do mm-hmm. have to have an appealing press tour and, and create some animosity between those two the problem is neither one of these guys are the greatest of interviews. I mean, I've talked to both yeah. of them in the build up to their fights. I mean, uh, Spence is pretty reserved. Crawford's kind of reluctant at times to do a lot of, of press. So they've got to engage on this because you know, that's how you sell it. Like you got to get, get some visibility, get out there and get not just the hardcore fans. who are going to buy the fight anyway. They're the ones complaining on Twitter about undercards and, and things like that. But like, they're, they're always going to buy the fight. It's the, it's the more casual fans, the, the people like I am with UFC, where if I hear, Mm-hmm. If I see a good rivalry, some animosity, I'll be likely to plunk $75 down to buy that fight. You need to get the boxing version of that uh, motivated to buy that fight. Absolutely. Follow him at SI, Chris Mannix, M-A-N-N-I-X. Chris, always a pleasure talking to you. Hope I see you soon. Thank you. Any, anytime, JT. Appreciate you, Chris. Chris is really good. Always a compelling conversation. And we get to throw in boxing here if they get the Crawford-Spence fight. That's the biggest fight in the world. We've been waiting for it, and these promoters just can't make the fight because they're dueling promoters, and that's really the downfall of boxing when you have two boxers in the prime of their career that want to fight each other, and the promoters can't make it happen. Chris Mannix on the NBA and boxing. Really appreciate talking to him. We don't have him on enough. Always a great conversation. 702-365. 
9200 as we continue on. And we're brought to you by Tommy White, my buddy Tommy White and the Laborers Union Local, 872 Vegas Strong, Union Proud, got the stadium built safely on time. Look at all the success. And what are they doing now? They're building more and more and more in this town. We thank the 872 Laborers Union Local 872 for being a proud partner of ours as we get you ready. And I think the coverage of the draft is really going to pick up here, especially as I opened up the show with the Vegas Golden Knights and the problems that they have, the vanishing act, as we talked about. And what's going to happen next is heavy draft talk. Heavy draft talk. And the Raiders don't have a pick till the third round. I am fine with that because they got Devontae Adams. Are you good with that? You think the Raiders need to be aggressive? That's really the topic from here till next Thursday or Friday. Hear what you have to say on how aggressive should the Raiders be as we continue. Warren Moon, the Hall of Famer, is going to join us in about 12 minutes. Stick around for that. You know what's going to happen game two? They're going to be talking more smack up there in Boston. I played in Boston two years, but listen, it happens to the best of us. You don't think people said stuff to Charles Barker, said <laughs> stuff to, to Akeem Olajuwon? Right, come on, man. Please stop, man. Please and, stop at you athletes today whining like little. Bill Russell went through it early on. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, man. I- wow, Shaq and Barkley going after Kyrie. That's why they have the best show. <laughs> Shaq and Barkley. Two of the greatest players of all time saying, man up, man. Kyrie's getting some heat. He was fined $50,000 today, man. Fifty. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care. $50,000 for flipping someone off is a lot of money. And someone's going to need it generations from now. Some grandson, some granddaughter wants to go to college, and they could have that in an account, compounding interest, and pay for all this college. But Kyrie doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. And he marches to his own drum. So does Colin Kaepernick. We'll get into him next hour and what he had to say. I think Kaepernick deserves to play in the league. But he has to admit he needs to be a third string or backup quarterback. I mean, he's delusional. He thinks he can play. He's been playing five years. No chance he can play. He can play as a backup. And if he makes the squad as a backup, then he can compete at some point to be the starter. But he thinks he's going to walk in after, what, throwing like four times a year? on YouTube and be a starter in this league? I mean, sometimes people are way out there. JT, back with you. Brought to you by our great friends at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. The Botanist Gin, part of the Remy team. If you're looking for a new, cool, refreshing gin that's taken over the country, Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Thank God this show streams outside of Vegas because I can hear from Mikey in Staten, Italy. What's going on, Mikey? Yo, JT, I got a few things for you. Let me tell you why you just said it before about the draft and the, and the Raiders don't have a pick to the third pick. You know why this is so brilliant? They got these players, and I don't know if it's got a lot of play by you out in Vegas, JT, but Apple, Apple, the computer companies, looking to buy the Sunday ticket for $2.5 billion. What is the salary cap going to be like when they buy the Sunday ticket for $2.5 billion per year. JT, it is a brilliant move. You get the guys in now, and then you can add players around them. It's Even though there's going to be a salary cap, there's no way that these NFL teams are going to be able to spend this money for 50, uh, 49% for the players. Hey, 
The second thing, JT, is how crazy is Vegas going to be for this draft? I am so pumped up for it. I'll see you out there. JT, the second thing is we talked about this, and I asked you when the Raiders really got into play, whether Vegas Knights going to be a second thought. And you know what? They went, and I think they were worried about it. They made the stupidest trades ever. They had a dynasty brewing. They're not winning it, but being into the playoffs. And you know that being a New Yorker, there's no better than playoff hockey. They traded their number one goalie, their heart and soul of their team. Uh, they traded them away. They got another goalie. At the time, we liked the trade, but as a, as a backup. We didn't trade for Lambert to be the number mm-hmm. one. Then they, they stripped the club down. They trade the heart and soul of the team away to Buffalo to get Eichel in, who's a great player, but it's a team game. Coming back, what what a disappointment, JT. I went to two games last and listen, it was still 90% crowded. But you remember it, that when we went to these games, the ticket was the number one ticket out there. You know, insane. And, and JT, I'm going to leave you with this. This Celtic uh, net game, what a game it is. But I have two bets for you. For you and your fans, JT, I got uh, Tatum uh, to have a double double at your bet 100 to win 220, and I got Kyrie Irving to do a double double, your bet 100 to make 700. Again, I don't. I think the game goes down to the final shot again, but those are the two bets that I'm making tonight on uh, on the Celtics, uh, the Celtics against the uh, Nets. Thanks, Mikey. Great phone call. You covered everything I said in the monologue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for streaming on the Raiders app and being loyal to the show. 702-365-9200. He just called in on everything we talked about. Really appreciate it. Uh, Boston minus four, now down to three and a half in this next game. I bet the Nets to cover. If you're playing, I think the Nets covering. It's an elimination game for the Nets. If they go down 0-2, they're not winning the series. And Durant's got to wake up. Warren Moon will join us, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and a Vegas favorite. Stick around for that next.